Welcome to the KBB Review podcast from Taylor's Media. This is episode 23, and I'm your host, Andy Davis. I don't know about you, but it feels like the industry is really properly waking up now. We did a survey last week that said the vast majority of retailers are now open in one way or another. And those that aren't are only a few days away as they prepare for the 15th of June government deadline. So, welcome back everybody. The anecdotal news from most people who have already opened is cautious optimism, so let's hope that continues. Speaking of which, we have, as always, a couple of very interesting guests today. And firstly, we have Jane Blakeborough from KBB Research Company Trend Monitor. We here at Taylorist Media teamed up with them to run a survey of consumers looking at whether they will continue with existing kitchen and bathroom projects and also if they weren't planning one before the lockdown, are they now seriously thinking about it after being stuck at home for so long? So the results of that are really interesting and very, very positive, so listen out for that. Then we have, and we should probably put some trumpets in here or something, the overall winner of the lockdown special design competition, Scott Lawrence. He's going to talk us through the design, so if you haven't seen it yet, the link is in the episode description. But first, Taylor's Media shameless plug time. I'd like to point you today towards these3rooms.com. It's the sister site to Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine, and it's full of advice, trends, case studies, loads more for consumers. It's a fantastic resource. We're very proud of it. And the visitor numbers have been going through the roof during the lockdown, not the roof of my loft, the metaphorical roof. So there's a whole audience waiting for you there. So go and check it out. That's these3rooms.com. Let's talk a little bit about consumers now. If you've been listening to this podcast a while, you'll know that a lot of people on here are saying that they believe there's a pent-up demand from consumers who want to continue with their planned kitchen and bathroom projects or that being stuck at home in lockdown might make people who weren't planning one uh, plan one because they've begun to hate their home so much. So we decided we were going to put this theory or theories to the test with a survey and we teamed up with uh, industry research gurus, that's a good word. Trend monitor. Uh, so hopefully joining me now is head guru, research director, Jane Blakeborough. Jane, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. I've never been called a guru before, but I'll take it. <laughs> hey, listen, we, we journalists like to simplify everybody's job title down to guru or boffin. If you're in any way scientific, that's what we do. Uh, so look, let's, let's, well, let's start with the obvious question here. Tell us a little bit about Trend Monitor. Give us your background here and, and how we've ended up at this point. Trend Monitor is a consumer insight resource for the KBB industry. And we work with manufacturers and retailers to understand how consumers will use their homes in the future and consequently the kind of products that they will want to buy for their homes in the future. And we start on a, a macro level by analysing all the trends that are going on around us from social to demographic, consumer to retail, environmental to economic, to understand how they will influence our home life. And we run brand specific workshops to help brands understand these trends and how they will have the most impact on their target market. And we also run our own primary research. So we talk to a lot of people who have recently installed a new kitchen or bathroom to understand their motivations and their influences throughout the purchase process. And we also run a lot of bespoke research projects for brands who have specific questions that they want answering. And the research that we've just run with yourself, Andrew, is one of those bespoke projects. There is lots of stuff on your website to go in and you can delve in lots of depth in lots of the reports that you've done. And if you haven't done that, I'm not just plugging you for the sake of it here, Jane. There is some really interesting bits. But if you're a bit of a stat nerd like I am and you just like numbers, it is a very revealing snapshot of, of how the market works. So I really do recommend that. But let's talk a little bit about what we've uh, what we've done here. 
like I say, a lot of people that I've spoken to on here have talked about anecdotally this pent-up demand, the idea that people who paused a project will continue with it and those that weren't even thinking of a kitchen or bathroom before the lockdown are planning it now. So we basically went out to try and see if we could come up with any answers to those theories scientifically, didn't we? So who did we actually ask? We asked um, UK homeowners. We looked for a a nationally representative sample of the UK homeowner. And they needed to be within the ABC1 socioeconomic demographic and also aged over the age of 25. But other than that, they just had to be a UK homeowner. And we spoke to exactly 1,002 responses to the research. I think the two was probably my mum and dad, but let's not even, <laughs> let's not delve into that. There's um, always an extra two that makes the analysis difficult. <laughs> yeah, just to make your percentages completely yeah. annoying and have yeah. lots of decimal points in them. Yeah. Okay, so broadly speaking here, we, we, as I say, the two areas we approached were if you're planning a project, are you carrying on with it? And if you weren't planning a project, are you going to plan it now? So let's start with the first one here for people who were already planning it and were along the road to get in their new kitchen or bathroom before the lockdown. Now, give us the main headlines here of what you actually found out about those people. Well, we asked about a certain number of projects. We asked whether they were replacing a kitchen, a main bathroom, an ensuite bathroom, a downstairs toilet or a utility room. And we found that 20% prior to the lockdown, they were in the process of starting to replace their kitchen. We had 18% of people, the main bathroom, 8% of an ensuite bathroom and so on. And But what we actually found was that we were able to talk to people that had in the pipeline 591 kitchen or bathroom projects on the go. Some people had more than one, so clearly they were doing a bit of a renovation. Some people just had one. But in total, it was 591 kitchen or bathroom projects, which is a very good sample to have. And then on the other side, there was 55% who weren't doing anything at the moment. So we sent them straight to the end of the research and said, OK, so you're not doing anything now, but has living up in your kitchen and bathroom with all of your family meant that you actually want to do more with your home. We split the survey so that we didn't sort of skew the figures. The headline number here is that about 80% had put their project, they were planning a project and they put it on hold because yeah. of the lockdown. That's very, uh, the very yeah. broad headline, isn't it? 80%. So, the, so the next question was, okay, so you're planning this and so what is the status of your project now? And 80% had gone on hold. But interestingly, 13% went ahead despite the lockdown. And only 7% of the projects have been cancelled, which we thought was a very positive number. That was one that really jumped out at me as well. Of all the projects, only 7% have been just completely shut down and let's just forget about it. Yes, we've split it out into kitchens, into the different projects. And the ones that went ahead were the smaller projects. So the cloakroom projects or the utility room projects, the ones that are most likely to be put on hold were the bigger projects. If you're a little bit insecure about your income, you, you're going to put a big project on hold, aren't you, rather than a smaller project. So the, that's the way that I look at it, that the ones that were the, the major financial output, a kitchen or a bathroom project, were more likely to be put on hold because of financial reasons. The smaller projects seem to have gone ahead despite the lockdown, but that's maybe because you can isolate from someone who's putting your downstairs toilet in, but not necessarily from somebody who, you know, is putting your kitchen in. What jumped out at me was, as well, in that part of it, was you would think that all these projects were being put on hold because of the money. But actually, that no, wasn't the case, no, was it? No, it wasn't. The, the, it was 
so the bigger projects we felt were put on hold because of the, the money. The smaller projects, it was more to do with not being able to get the supplies, the, the products, or the actual contractor wasn't able to undertake the work. So financial reasons dropped down, lower down. So actually, when we looked at it, 56% of the projects that were put on hold, it was actually mainly down to the supplier of the contractor not being able to do it or get hold of the required products. That obviously implies even more that at the moment that they can get hold of the, those products, yeah. they will immediately pick up the project and carry on with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what came through on the confidence section. So we asked people what was the status of their project right now. But then the next question was, how confident are you in the project being restarted within 12 months. And actually there was there's an uncertainty in there, which is very understandable, but we did have a very high percentage of people that were actually quite confident that the project would restart when restrictions were lifted. And there was a section 18% who were very confident that the project will be restarting as soon as possible. So whilst there is a lot of uncertainty, there was more bias towards the confidence rather than the not confident. And even the uncertainty was, the, the, the actual question, I think, wasn't it, was the project may restart when restrictions are lifted. That was the option, wasn't it? And I think that that's just about the uncertainty of, of what happens next, as yeah. opposed to I'm uncertain about whether I still want a kitchen or bathroom. Yeah, it was about whether when they would be able to restart it. And there was very few people, um, only 3%, that said that their project was unlikely to go ahead within 12 months. That would be entirely a financial thing, one, yeah. would, one would assume, wouldn't you? Even since this survey was carried out, which is only two or three weeks ago, mm. there's been a lot of change even since then that you would suspect that if you ran this survey again tomorrow, that yeah. those figures might have moved a little yeah. a little bit. What else do you think we found out from this? So how about the comparison between kitchens and bathrooms? Very similar. There doesn't seem to be a big difference between the way people are treating the kitchens and the way people are treating their bathrooms. There is a big difference between the smaller projects like the, the cloakroom compared to the bigger projects. Because kitchens on the whole, and this is a very broad brush, I accept that, tend to be very big project. The one that's got the most planning behind it, the one that's yeah. probably got the most investment behind it. Uh, does that make it more or less likely to go ahead given these situations? But what you're saying is, and the numbers would bear us out, is that actually it doesn't make a difference. You're either doing a project or you're not. Yes. The bigger projects will more likely to be put on hold because of financial reasons. But it doesn't mean that they were less confident about them going ahead. It was more the uncertainty right now that yeah. they're worried about. But overall, across the board, it, it was a very close call between whether it was a financial reason or the fact that they couldn't get hold of supplies. And when I know from talking to people within the construction industry that supplies were a major problem for quite some time. Um, but that seems to be changing now and people are able to get hold of the products that they want to get hold of. I would say that if we did the research now, it would it would be far less of a problem. Which has got to be just an incredibly positive outlook for this mm. as a as a sector and as an industry. When the lockdown first happened, there's and everyone's showroom had to close. Yeah, there's an enormous worry about what might happen next, uh, yeah. and there was a lots of doom and gloom around the the economic numbers. And of course, that is still incredibly uncertain. But what mm. we're seeing here is the numbers that tell you that people want to carry on buying kitchens and bathrooms if they were in any way on the road to buying one already. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I, there was, well, I was quite surprised about, there, there was not that many households that were self-isolating. I had expected that to be 
a bigger reason to put a project on hold. The repercussions of what of the of the lockdown rather than the reason for the lockdown that is the problem. So yeah. as soon as the confidence comes back, I think that these projects will start coming through again. Whereas if I think we'd had a lot of um, households coming back saying, no, we put it on hold because we're self-isolating, I think that would cause a bigger problem for the industry. Yeah. Obviously, financial concerns is always going to be a problem. But I do think at the point we did the research, we were just coming out of lockdown. There was a lot of people being furloughed. So it was very difficult. We, we had that discussion about when do we run this survey? And we wanted to do it at the point where people were given a little bit of hope for the future. Uh, whereas if we'd run it earlier, I think it would have been a very negative response. But as people were feeling a bit more positive and being able to go back to work and things were opening up, that was a very good time to run the survey. They could see a light at the end of the tunnel. And certainly since then, the news has been nothing but uh, positive in terms, yeah. of eas- in terms of easing the lockdown and everything yeah. else. Right, so let, let's move on to the next group here. So that's basically all the people who were already planning a kitchen and bathroom. Yeah. Okay. The, the next one is probably the, the much more pertinent question, which is, has being stuck at home made people want a new kitchen or bathroom where they perhaps hadn't thought about it as much before? Yeah. And th- this is a much more difficult question to ask. What, broadly speaking, was the headline result here? Well, what we found was that one in six people, which is a very high percentage of people, Bearing in mind, we we had a nationally representative sample of the UK householder. One in six were considering a home improvement project based on the fact they've been looking at, sat at home, looking at the problems they've got with the home. Now, the smaller projects were sort of the more popular ones. So one of the main things people wanted to do was replace their downstairs cloakroom and also the kitchen worktops. But also one of the main areas that people were interested in was replacing the main bathroom. So I found that to be really interesting because these are people who hadn't previously got anything planned and now saying, actually, we would we would like to start looking at these projects. So they're not people that have already been primed to think about this. So one in six, I think, is a very high proportion of people. Well, enough. And the, the, the comparative thing here between those who the, the percentage of these people that were planning a project before lockdown mm-hmm. effectively gives, gives you your benchmark of what the normal market might look like. Yeah. If you look right at the top, I think it was 20 percent were planning a new kitchen, 18 yeah. percent a new bathroom. And then if you go through to the has this made you consider one you hadn't before, the main bathroom is actually 20 percent. And replacing the entire kitchen, I think, sits at about 15%. So that's not actually that far off. It's, um, not, it's not as anywhere near the plummet in, in interest that uh, you would suspect. So we are looking at a very positive outlook for a, just a continuation of business. Yes, absolutely. And we did do some sort of sense check against the figures that we got because as... As I always say, it's very easy to ask people what they think they might do, but what they actually do can be very different. But what we were able to do was benchmark it against previous studies that we've done. And we do know the amount of households that are in the middle of running a a home improvement project at any one time is around 40% of households. So we weren't that far out when we looked at people that were previous had one planned and then the adding on the people that were actually in the were thinking in the future so we are about right saying that this is the kind of demand that we can expect it's not a huge uplift but it isn't a massive dip that we were you know dreading no and I think what will be interesting is what effect things like 
being able to or not able to go on holiday, for instance, yeah. will have on, yeah. on this kind of uh, investment. If you suddenly, if, if they literally don't open the airports for the summer, you know, one of the things people talk about a lot is that they'll spend the holiday money on improving their home. Th- these numbers are only going to go up rather than down, I think, unless there's some kind of horrible new spike or something dreadful happen. Um, I think as a start of a snapshot of the end of the lockdown, or the end of the total lockdown as we were experiencing it, mm-hmm. this is a really, really positive outlook. Yes, and I think that we, this was a very top line survey. If we actually drill down into people's motivations, there's a lot more information in there about why they're looking at changing their homes and what were their circumstances during lockdown and how do they see their circumstances changing in the future? How is their home going to change based on the fact they've, they've had to do everything from home? So I think that's going to be a very interesting area to look at how we now use our homes is it is it going to change or are we going to go back to how we were before changing consumer behavior is very is very slow all right we've had extreme circumstances here but and so we've been forced to use our homes differently but do we want to continue to use our homes the way that we have been doing or do we actually want to go back to how we were before and that only time will tell but I do think that people lock down with their relatives or family, you know, and they realise that their bathroom actually doesn't work very well for that amount of people or the kitchen isn't very sociable. It'll be, you know, in the next few months that people start to think really seriously about how they want to live in the future. At the moment, we're very much in a panic mode. People have to build in somewhere to keep all that toilet roll that they bought and now don't know. <laughs> well, we now know, really wishing they hadn't. We know that there's never enough storage in a bathroom. <laughs> I know, but people were buying it by the box full and now they've got so much of it, there's going to be a fire hazard. Absolutely. It's all in the kitchen now. Well, look, Jane, this has been a really interesting, as I say, really interesting snapshot of, of where we are with this market. Uh, as you say, I think there's an awful lot of research to be done going forward about how consumers' demands, consumers' yeah. lives are changing because of this. And I think as a result, how kitchens and bathrooms are sold as a result of that, I think is going to be really interesting too. So look, we will revisit this, but thank you so much for giving us this really positive story. The the one bit, my survey question here though, Jane, I'm going to survey you now, my sample size of you. (laughs) Okay, go for it. I want to know, of course, at the end of each one of these things, what, question number one, drop down menu survey of Jane Blakeborough, what is your deserted kitchen island disc? What's your most positive feel-good song? <laughs> well, I'm going to go for the real cheesy option and I'm going to go for Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, mainly because I can sing it all the way through, which makes me very wow. sad to say that. But to be honest, whatever you can really belt out at the top of your voice has got to be good. You know what, we haven't had that before and it's quite an obvious choice, so I, I'm surprised it hasn't cropped up before. So well done you for picking it so far into the game. But look, thank you very much, Jane. Uh, we will catch up again soon. Great. OK, good talk. Thanks a lot. All right, cheers. Bye now. Bye. OK, let's go back to our lockdown special design competition now and hopefully we have our amazing overall winner down the line, Scott Lawrence. Scott, are you there? I'm here. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm brilliant, sir. How are you? I presume you live in a lighthouse now. You're, oh, you, yeah, you're so I, involved in it. I've gone out and bought one. Um, yeah. I've, I've not used my entry, actually. I've used somebody else's. The lighthouse down the road. Yeah. Actually, we were looking at a lighthouse at one point as, as like a project to focus on to for a design project for the company. Oh, wow. Just, just for like PR, Instagramming and things and, and, and trying to work out our processes of how we get to the finished uh, look. And this just kind of fell into it. It's brilliant. 
Well, there you go. See, serendipity. I'm loving that. Yeah, so look, well, it's crazy. Tell us a little bit about your design first, about who you are, what you do, where you're based, etc. Okay. We have a design studio in London, which is up off Labrook Grove. And we have uh, offices in Bude, uh, down in Cornwall, and a workshop in Devon. Right. So this is a local job for you, theoretically, conceptually, yeah, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. The guys down in, in Bude and, and Devon, they just loved it. Well, I'm liking the fact that I've somehow virtually done a local job. I don't quite know how I've done that, but there you go. <laughs> Talk us through then the process that you went through with this. A lot of people obviously went through the same kind of thought exercise when they saw this brief. So what was the first thing you thought when you saw that brief and saw what you had to do? The first thing I thought was, fantastic, this is really kind of my direction. I, I love curves. I love drawing curves. So for, for me, it was it was a fantastic thing. I, I looked at the space and the volume obviously the brief was key um, and what you gave us to work upon with the family was brilliant the uh especially the inventing stuff and the, and the technology connection with the outside world etc etc um so yeah it, it, as soon as i thought of, as soon as i saw it i was just over the moon i thought i'm going to do this and i'm going to spend some time i can i can focus on it i can hone some skills now what's interesting about the first thing you did was you completely moved the whole thing around so you immediately took the kitchen out of the room that we told everyone to design a kitchen in and bumped it up a floor. Yeah, I, I was hoping that wasn't going to be a bad thing. We did have our concerns about how far, how far we can take it. But we wanted to bring the building into a position of light, especially the kitchen, and open that out. Although it did make the room a little bit smaller for us because obviously the, the tower tapers. But it, it did also give us the ability to add on that extension section, and bring the living and the kitchen a bit more together. And also give the granny the granny flat downstairs. She, she gets her peace and quiet. Yeah, so what was the kitchen is you've turned into a separate flat for the, the grandma. That's correct. Which which is a clever idea because obviously there's no enormous stairs to, to climb. Yeah. Um, what I loved about the way you changed it was that there was a sort of thought that had gone into those extension areas based on the fact that it's a lighthouse, the beams of light coming out of the, the building itself, but you've made them into kind of architectural features. Absolutely. We, the first thing we did was look at the sun's position, how it comes across, and the shadows it makes, and we used those kind of shadows as a, as a theme to bounce around some basic plan drawings. And then from that, we elevated them in, into what you see now. And I also loved as well the there's a lift. Obviously, you've put a lift in. Yeah. There's there's sort of stairs going up inside as well. But there is a climbing wall that goes up virtually half the height of the entire lighthouse as well, which is terrifying. Yes. But also brilliant. <laughs> I think the kids needed something to do, which is a bit outside world, as in feeling the air, the wind, feeling a little bit scared. I, I think we we do live comfortable lives sometimes, and the climbing wall did using an object a very heavy strong structure so i thought it'd be very nice to kind of ground the kids in in the feeling of how high this thing is and uh, how you feel when you climb it or how you feel as the parent if you're watching your child yeah. climb uh, an entire light as long as it's controlled you know in a in a good way <laughs> i'm sure grandma would have a go as well you know yeah I think who's she, to could say? Be, she could be hoisted i, I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> have a problem she could swing around a bit yeah, especially on a nice windy North Devon day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, so let's get into the kitchen a little bit here. Okay. What was your thought there? Obviously, there was lots of con- contradictions in the brief, very deliberately. Yeah. So how did you approach the kitchen project as a whole before you got into the detail? I like the kitchen philosophy of, of being separate parts that are put together to work as a whole. Because we put that living space onto the kitchen, the bigger living space, I wanted to connect the two. 
So it started with connecting the two, trying to work out how we encapsulate everybody that's playing and being part of the family, the dog, et cetera, et cetera. I basically come up with three or four sketches and ideas and thoughts, which took quite a few days and then honed it down to to where we are now. I really wanted to bring that technology into it. I wanted a con- contradiction between the old and the new. I felt like I wanted to put a, like a Lamborghini inside the, inside the tower, but make it make it actually work every day properly. Yes, and, and I think that's what, what's fascinating about it is that level of technology. But, but you've also incorporated a lot of the natural materials yeah. that are quite local to that area as well, because obviously you're very familiar with it. Yeah, we, we try to look look into everything that's local. People in Cornwall are definitely very, very proud of their locality and all their materials, the, the tins, the coppers. I would like to have done more in the visual side of things with, with the stone side of things, but uh, it's not easy to get things looking the way you want them to look. No, but there's a lot of, of that beautiful wood in there. It's a very organic, curved feeling to the thing that is very in keeping with the building and the environment mm-hmm. and the environs. But obviously you've, you've jam-packed it with the technology as well. Let's talk a little bit about that big island unit in the middle. Talk us through what that actually is and what it's made of. It's made of sections, two sections of concrete, one at each end, which kind of hold everything together with a central bridge. And on that bridge, I've, I've basically put the elements I want to sit in the island, the pan drawers, the storage, the lighting. And then I've, I've left the worktop, so it's, it's, that's also kind of separate to that central core, um, so it can lift up and down. I also like to see how things work, engineering-wise. So I left the top glass so you can see through, and in some parts see, see down to the floor, which also gives it a bit of grounding. It, it's about elements pinned together, to hold everything together and that I can slot stuff into these spaces uh, and create these le- different levels. And then have a central core that can rise and, and give you the information you need. Yes, it's a brilliantly architectural bit of business, that that island. Um, we'll come to the technology in a minute, but, but to lead us into that here, you've got that brilliant peninsula jutting seating area that kind of goes up and down. Talk us through that. Well, that's the, that's the side of the... The, the Japanese side of the, of the sitting, sitting at the table. Um, so I, I made the pod. I wanted to make the outside pod slightly separate to the ground floor. So I put it on some pillars and lifted it above, just above the roof line, the lower roof line. But that obviously caused a position that give, gave us two steps in down into the kitchen, which I also love, because uh, that means we can transition between different finishes, different heights, lighting, etc. Then I thought, okay, I, I really want to send this kitchen flying in, into this open space with this with a seating, uh, and then obviously naturally it came. Well, okay, so let's sit like we would do, like a tapenaki, etc., or uh, like the Japanese would sit as a family together, very close, very grounded. And then I thought, okay, Granny can't do that. We well, with great difficulty can't do that. So I imagined, okay, well, why can't we lift it? There's no reasons why we can't lift it. I've raised the floor. I can put technology into the floor. That's not a problem. How do I connect that to the island? And it's very, very simple, really. It's it's just a cantilever mechanical uh, lift that just works on a hinge system. There's nothing crazy about it in reality. It just kind of worked and come together. I could connect the two different worlds of the Japanese culture and also the English way of we sit or the European way we sit. 
Yeah, and it's that it's that thing I've never seen before, really, where you you get rise and fall tables and seating, but something that literally goes all the way down to the ground, so you can sit cross-legged, or goes all the way up, so you can sit normally. Yeah, depending on the, the depending on how you want to eat, I think is fascinating. And and there on the island as well, of course, that's where the main tech, a lot of the technology comes in because you've got the the cooking coming up and down from the ceiling there, yeah. haven't you? And you've got that brilliant kind of heads-up display that comes out. Yes, the, the heads-up display was something that, again, I don't want to keep thinking that an oven has to be here or has to be there against a wall. It can be a freestanding element, maybe. Maybe we can push it around wherever we want. It's only connected by a cable. Maybe I can put it into the ceiling. And if I did put it into the ceiling, how am I, how am I going to see what the hell, what's going on? So the head-up display gives me those options of cameras inside the ovens, which I do think manufacturers will start doing. So we can see everything from my iPad. And then I, I can I can practically put it anywhere. And that heads-up display gives me the option. I, I did have a wobble moment when I when I thought, where are they going to drop down from? They're going to be in the way. They're going to ruin something on the work surface. How low can they go? But I I, I did the math, and it, it does seem to work. And I, and I hope it I hope it does work in reality. One of the things I was looking forward to seeing what people did with this brief is manage the contradictions. Because very deliberately we put in there that, you know, the taste of the husband are completely different than yeah. the taste of the wife, as much as you could possibly make it. And you've made this, this, the whole island bit in the middle of that kitchen is very kind of bridge of the Starship Enterprise feeling to it, which I think is great. But then equally, you've got that beautiful woodwork in there too. Yeah. But just little touches like, for example, the skylights. Well, you took us through the lights in the ceiling there, the windows in the ceiling, because that's a very deliberate design touch as well, isn't it? It is. I'm trying to bring the lighthouse actual light lenses down into the living area. So I designed, we cut holes into the ceiling of the pods because at this point now we can do anything and made those lenses, those refractor lenses that you get from the light beam that focus the beam and give it its, its strength. And we put those into the ceiling so the reflections on the floor would move and still connect you to that distant object in the, in the sky that is that lighthouse light. So that, that was a point in that. And also uh, to bring some colour in. So cha- we changed the, the, the lenses to different colours, which would also add some drama and theatre. That constant reference back to the, the building itself, even though you've changed it quite radically, never forgetting that you are in a lighthouse, Absolutely. I think is, is, is what grounds something yeah. very conceptual in, in reality. I'd say what's interesting uh, as a broad point from what people did with this, lots of people didn't really talk that much about the grandma in their, in their design very much. But every single person included something for the dog. Every single one. Is this, right? is this a cultural thing, do you think? I think that, that's it. And I think that most people concentrated on giving the dog their own bed or giving their dog their own area, but forgot all about grandma, right. which I think just demonstrates what, what's important to your average Brit. But you, you've got a dog pod in there, Scott. It, it, tell me there's something spectacularly gadgety about the dog pod. Um, well, the, the dog pod is, is very simple. It's just to give the dog its own environment to live in a separate piece, a separate area, so it can feel comfortable also be part of the, the living area and I put it on the play side so you can see the kids because I feel like it should be connected to more to the kids than the older part of the family. So the, the dog pod doesn't have much technology I'm afraid. You built everybody in there I think that's one of the things about it you included something for everybody there is a cat flap in there as well somewhere I hope it's on the ground floor. It's on the ground floor isn't it? there's no shoot to it I think now. Thank you so much for putting this together for us, Scott. It is a brilliant project. And if, if, if people listening to this haven't had a good look at it, I really recommend going to the website and having a look at it because it is great. And actually, it's so brilliant that your colleague, Adam Hodgson, 
was a finalist in the bathroom side of things as well. Yeah. So this this whole project, both the kitchen and the bathroom bit of it, ended up in the shortlist, which just shows how much thought's been put into it. Me and Adam um, do work together, and he's you know working with the guys. They give us this kind of creative freedom. We start from as as high as possible, i.e., conceptually, and then we bring it down to ground to to how we can manufacture things. So basically, it is for me and Adam. It's a very great connection team together. This is just fantastic. So one of the things you are getting, uh, Scott, is a big delivery of a really random set of prizes. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping you have a big garden shed or something that you're going to keep all these things in. Uh, well, the, the go, the go, some things are going to go to, uh, obviously, members of the team, for one, and, and some for me, obviously. Um, the cookery one is something I'm very much looking forward to. And the others, the other elements from the bathroom side are going to go into projects that we're, we're doing and going to do so we can use those and tweet and Instagram the companies that we got them from. No, that's that's absolutely fine. But I mean, it is a wide industry. I, I keep saying how appreciative I am that so many people donated prizes because Amazing. this was just a bit of an off-the-cuff thing that we made up out of nowhere. And, and you and everyone else who entered and all the people who donated prizes did a fantastic and phenomenal job. So I'm just, I'm so pleased with it all. It's been, it's been fantastic, to be honest. But Scott, there is one question now that people really want to know the answer to, as always. Yeah, you, know, you did a good job on the old lighthouse, we get that. But the most important thing now that people are really going to judge you on is what is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? What is your most positive feel-good song? At, at the moment, oh, it's a, a band called Delita, and I've been li- okay. listening to a song called uh, Near Mint. Con- right. Constantly, it's a real upbeat, electronic, movie-style music. Well, you know what? That's the first one we've had, Scott, where I've absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and I usually know my music pretty well. So uh, that's I'm, I'm really looking forward to discovering this one now. This is great. We'll broadcast it from the top of the lighthouse when we have our lighthouse festival. My, my partner, this partner, James, was very disappointed we didn't put a dance floor on the top. <laughs> Well, maybe next year yeah. when we do our uh, underground base for a James Bond villain. That's the next wow. one we're doing. Thank you so much, sir, for all your time, for all your efforts. I really appreciate it. It is a brilliant job. You're a worthy winner. Okay. So thank you very much for, you for contributing. Thank you for everybody that's been part of it. Thank you. Cheers, Scott. Cheers. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. Bye now. That's it for this episode. You can take a proper look at Scott's project and a write-up on the consumer research we did with Trend Monitor by following the links in the episode description. Big thanks to Jane and Scott for joining me, and I'll see you next time.